thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, Happy New Year. If you love Jesus, say I do. It's great to see all of you. Thanks so much for being here. Um, Hey, can we give the worship team a big hand? They did a great job today. So grateful for them, all the dream teamers that lead us in worship. Uh, Hey, we are... uh, Uh, It's great to see you. It's great to see everybody online. Uh, Love what God's doing. We are starting this series here um, called Good God. And this context here is as we go into these 21 days of prayer, um, we're going to spend time each day uh, just gathering together online. And so in the future one day, uh, we hope to be in person again. But during these 21 days and this time, we're going to do 6.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Uh, on Zoom. And so if you go to our website, radiantchurchkc.com, there's a place where you can click 21 days and there's a Zoom link right there so that if you could join us, we won't have gatherings in a physical place. All of them will be online, but we're going to gather each day. And so I'd like to invite you. They're going to be 30 minutes, 6.30 to 7. So 6.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. for the morning people, 6.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. for the evening people. And if you could jump on, my my dream for you would be to try to jump on every day. Um, 30 minutes, we'll take a little bit of time and have a devotional prayer, intercessory prayer. And then we're gonna pray in uh, these Zoom rooms, just just to connect Zoom rooms, it rhymes, uh, community groups, just to connect a little bit for these 21 days of prayer. And in addition to uh, your devotional life, that's big, in addition to corporate prayer, my hope is, is that God begins to put ministry calling, ministry ideas uh, on your life because coming out of 21 days, we'll go right into our small group semester. Many of the small group leaders uh, that will lead in the spring are sitting right here. Many of the small group leaders are online right now at your house. Some of you are on your phone right now, but there'll be something that God puts in your heart that you just can't shake. And so there'll be a, there'll be a certain... Um, maybe an age group of people, or maybe somebody who's experienced some kind of trauma. There'll be something that you kind of sense the Lord putting on your heart, and that would be a great idea for you to lead a group around. Some of you might want to just say, I want to take a step and join a group. Any of those things, but we take 21 days of prayer where we come before God and we say we're going to give you our first and our best, and then coming out of 21 days, we'll go right into small groups. So my hope is that that is like prayed over, thought about, that you're sitting there alone with God with your journal and your Bible, and you start to write down ideas and thoughts. And in addition to God transforming your heart, you start to care for people. All right, that turned into a sermon. Sorry about that. Uh, so 21 days of prayer. Uh, so here's the idea for this series. We've got this new series, New Year, uh, January 3rd. Here we go. I'm calling this series Good God. And the idea is how good our God is. And when we were in that series in Exodus, um, in Exodus 33, there was that phrase about the goodness of God before Moses. And that became a part of my prayer journey. And I just began to ask God that I would behold, see, understand, know, live in the goodness of God. And then that song uh, became kind of my favorite song. Uh, I have lived uh, in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. And so that started to kind of burn inside of me. So this new series comes from last week, the idea we talked about in the fasting message, which if you missed that, go back and watch that on YouTube. 
Um, because we talked about how fasting is feasting on God. And so the vision of this series is the good God, Exodus 33, feasting on God. And I wanna take just each week an attribute or a characteristic, a dynamic of the personality of God and just dive into the scriptures on what it means that God is good. This first week, so the overarching idea is the goodness of God. This first week, we're gonna talk about the holiness of God, how he is holy. And then we'll take different attributes in future weeks. Um, I read a book by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy years ago, and each chapter is on a different attribute of God. And so this series could most be described as kind of that same concept of of that book where we're just going to go after a feast on God. And so in this season where you desperately want hamburgers and fries, we're going to be talking about God's holiness and forgiveness, and we're going to feast on different attributes of God. All right, you with me? Good to go? All right, all right, if you've got your Bibles, go Isaiah 6. We're going to read there, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to talk about God being holy. All right, Isaiah chapter 6, great moment where Isaiah has a vision of God, and my hope is, is that you'll see this vision of God, and that in this, in this vision where it shows the heavenly scene and the seraphim cry, holy, 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 I want to talk about that. I want us to lean into God being holy. Isaiah 6 Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. That's my prayer for us, that we would see the Lord, that God would open up our eyes, our hearts to see him. Here it is, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. That's the response to beholding holy. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Father, we love you today. We ask, Lord, that our eyes would behold the King. We pray, holy God, would you reveal yourself to us that we might see more of who you are. Holy Spirit, open up our eyes to behold the holy God. We love you. We give you our lives again today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Our family uh, is on a journey right now where we have seen God faithfully a move in the physical life of my dad. And so my dad is 75 and he spent 27 days in a hospital um, right over here, Olathe Med. And uh, for much of that time, uh, as we were laboring in prayer, um, there was the thought this may be the end of his life. And so it looked like there was um, a a strong chance that um, he might go to be with Jesus. And, And so we were laboring and praying for his life and asking God to touch him. And, and God did touch him and uh, he is home and I'll continue to tell that story all the days of my life. And one of the, thank you for that. And one of the things that um, touched me in that season 
I spent uh, a lot of time FaceTiming with my dad. So he was in the COVID unit and, um, and, and we would FaceTime and he began to talk to me about how as he looked at the possibility of his life ending uh, on earth and going to be with Jesus in eternity, that the idea of that conversation with God could be coming, that he could be uh, coming into the end of this brief life, the brevity of this life and going to have that kind of moment where he sees God. And he shared that uh, though he looked back at his life and there's been a whole lot of mistakes and flaws, that he was ready. That when he thought about going to stand before God, that he was ready. That he looked at it and he was like, I'm ready to see God. I've, I've given my life. I've been saved by Jesus and I've, I've been walking with Jesus and, and I'm ready. And there's that enthusiasm to, 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 to see the Lord. Isaiah here is talking about seeing the Lord. We're going into a fast where I'm asking God that we might see the Lord. I have another friend that uh, right now, he's, he's a worship leader and his mom is uh, in the hospital and I'm laboring in prayer with him uh, because his mom is in a very situation that my dad was in. And similar to my dad, she's looking at this real reality that uh, her time on earth is brief and maybe coming to an end. And all of us in this season, maybe even like never before, have people that we know, relationships that we have, an awareness of how brief life is and that one day we really will have a conversation with God, that we're going to behold him, we're gonna see him and that that day, that, that eternal day is coming. And I wanna invite you to think about that day today and I want us to take a few moments to begin to ask God, that we might behold the grandeur, the holiness of God, that we might, like Isaiah, behold and see. I don't know if you know um, the song that uh, my family loved and then it became a movie, but it was that song, uh, I Can Only Imagine. Did you guys ever hear that song? What that day will be like? And Mercy me. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart see? Will I dance before you, Jesus? Or, and that whole idea, what am I, I going to dance? And what, what am I going to do? And I think all of us, we're going to stand before God. We've got that moment coming. It's a great thought. What it will be like when we have that, that conversation. I worked uh, for 20 years with youth and young adults. And I remember um, many times hearing young adults say, when I look at the evil in the world, when I look at the problems all around me, I have such irritation at the way that the world is. When I get to heaven, I'm gonna have a conversation with God. And the underlying kind of current of that was, I'm gonna give God a piece of my mind, or I got questions. But as you read these stories of people that actually encounter God, I just wanna push back on that because most of the people that have these encounters with God don't come before God and say, I got questions. It's moments like Isaiah, who here in Isaiah 6, he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He gets this image of the heavenly scene and it is not, hey, I'm the center of my world and I can't believe that you did. It is a ha, holy, holy, holy. That's what he beholds. That's what he sees. And when he sees that, his response is not, hey, I'm intelligent. I got big thoughts. Big is me. His response is, woe is me. Big are you. Great is God. Holy is God. 
The idea of holy means to be infinitely unique. It means to be set apart. It means this idea that God is not just what we can imagine in kind of our own thoughts of goodness, but higher than we could fathom. God is beyond what we could ever even picture. He is infinitely unique. And even when you picture these seraphim crying, holy, 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 this was a way of saying emphatically, holy, next, holy, holy. In the same way that we would say adjectives, like we would, if it was us in America, English, we would say super incredibly amazingly holy. They would say holy, holy, holy. He's getting the, this vision around the throne. It is, it's a point of emphasis, amazing, awesome, infinitely unique. And I wanna invite you today as we go into 21 days of prayer to feast on how holy God is. Because you and I live in a culture where it's easy to want God to be what we want him to be instead of coming and beholding God and transforming our lives because of who he is. And so Isaiah gets this vision where he sees this little window into the holy God and his response is, woe is me. In fact, when you look at that response of Isaiah, it's actually a similar biblical pattern all throughout the scriptures. There's that moment where Peter in Luke 5 experiences Jesus doing the miracle and Peter falls before him right there and goes, ah, away from me. It's a, not a big is me, it's a woe is me. It's a you, away from me. No, I'm not. It's wow, <sighs> you're awesome. One of the more famous ones is in, in Revelation 1, where John the Beloved, the one who, uh, who even describes himself five times in his gospel as the disciple that Jesus loved, or the, this one who had this intimate friendship with God. Yet in Revelation 1, you've got the story where when John beholds Jesus, he's got this vision, this revelation, he falls down as though dead. So the response is, ha, not, hey, Jesus, I got questions. How come, how come you didn't do what I wanted? Instead, it was, you are awesome. You are infinitely unique. You are holy God. You're incredible. You're big. A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of Holy, says it this way. God's holiness is not simply the best we know infinitely bettered. We know nothing like the divine holiness. It stands apart, unique, unapproachable, incomprehensible. And I love that word unapproachable because Paul uses that exact phrase when he talks to Timothy about God living in unapproachable lights. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So we think the most important thing about us is our financial status, the way we look, how long we live, how healthy we are. Tozer goes, no, no, no. Most important thing about you is how you see God. What does he look like? Tozer says this, last Tozer quote, uh, he says, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. So we tend to say, okay, I want God to be my pet cause. So therefore I see God in the image that I want him to be instead of where we wanna be, where we, we open up the word of God, we get this revelation of how holy he is. And just like that heavenly scene, just like those seraphim, we go, ah, holy, you are infinitely unique. Great is God, big is God, you are holy. 
you are incredible. You are amazing. And so what would happen if in 21 days in your life, what would happen if the the magnitude, the excellency, the grandeur, the splendor of the holy God became a big story instead of the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What we tend to do is, I'm the big story. And, oh, yeah, of course, God. Okay. But where we want to get is where Isaiah was, John fell, Peter, it's a, you are awesome. Holy God is infinitely unique. Holy God he, he's seated enthroned. I'm going to use, in our language, center stage. He's center stage. I think that in the culture that I live in, I'm tempted to put myself center stage. That was even just this week, just when I was studying and looking around my office, and I'm looking at my books and my shelves and my cup of coffee, and I'm looking at my resume. I've got some of my degrees on the wall. I got pictures of my family and my friends, and I've got my computer, and I've got my iPhone with every bit of my apps. I mean, I've got a lot of me. And it's just so easy to build my world around my time, my vision, my goals, my life, my family, my agenda, my hopes, my dreams. So easy. I think it probably is for all of us. Me and mine, what I want. And here, I just want us to see Isaiah going, wow, woe is me. And then he says this phrase. He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. This is an intriguing concept because he's a prophet. So what he does is he speaks about who God is. And so for him to say, I have unclean lips, it's, it's, here's the best thing that I have to offer. I speak about who God is, but when I see who God is, I go, I'm nothing compared to how great God is. He is awesome. Ah, 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 holy, holy, holy. You've got, and so if you were to take the thing that you do well at, it would be like you beholding God and saying, hey, I'm Nathan Dorensky. I am smart and organized, but you know what, God? You, when I look at you and I see you, turns out your omniscience is better than my Asana app. You are amazing. God, I can sing. I'm Katie Reed and I got songs for days. Ah, uh, that's Ariel, but you know, like I could sing, right? But it's as if she would say, ah, compared to you, I live, I, I have nothing. My lungs, I got nothing compared to God. You take your talent, you take what you've got. And when you get before him, it's kind of like when we read about Revelation 4, where they throw their crowns down. They just say everything that I, that's nothing compared to God. It's when I see who God is, you could take, yeah, but I'm wealthy. Oh, compared to God, God, you own it all. You're amazing. Yeah, but I'm smart. Yeah, but I am good looking. No, compared to unapproachable light, you're lacking. I mean, there's nothing compared to who he is and This is just for us to take a few days to feast upon God and say, you are excellent. You are completely, it's not just my highest thoughts, my greatest, like better than me. It's even what I have doesn't compare. It's you are infinitely unique. You're more than I could fathom. And you, not me, you are center stage. You've got it all. And there's no other God besides you. And God seemed to make a big deal about that. Like when you look at, it's the first commandment, you will have no other gods before me. I'm number one. 
But I don't think it's so much so in our culture. In our culture, it's acceptable for you to kind of tolerate some other gods. But God doesn't kind of talk that way as if other gods, if he's going to scoot over for other gods. Not with the Israelites, not with the, it's, it's this, in fact, I was reading this week, even Elijah, when he's taunting the prophets of Baal, it's this strong statement, where is your God? Is he asleep? Did he take a nap? Is he on vacation? I remember talking to one lady and I was talking about God and she said, Okay, that's your God. I'll serve my God, a different God, and we're both okay. You go your way, I'll go my way, and it both works. Both of us go, it ends in the same place. Culturally, you feel the pressure to say, okay, yeah, it's great, but I'm just reminding us that's not God's way. He's the one going, You shall have no other gods before me. Elijah's the one saying, hey, there's only one. Isaiah says this. Look at this, Isaiah 44. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. So Isaiah 6, there's the big story. Holy, holy, holy. Chapter 44, it's there's, there's no one else. There's only one. And not even the temptation for us to see or tolerate other gods, but I think even for us just to, just in, our, in terms of our own affections, there's so many different rivals. When we first started uh, Radiant Church, um, we, had, we were at the middle school and we had a bucket, a big trash bucket um, full of lost and found. So uh, when people would forget their stuff, if you've got a building, you just kind of pick a place where it goes. But uh, in portable, you just fill, put it in a bucket and then you got to take it and then you got to haul it back and take it and haul it back and take it and haul it back. Well, we ran out of storage space, so we started keeping uh, it at in our garage. So our garage functioned as the lost and found, which wasn't all bad because you guys leave some killer stuff. And so anyway... Um, uh, after about a year, we're just like, hey, if it's been there a year, well, let's look at it, you know? And so my little girl, Olivia, found a T-shirt of the Beatles. And uh, Olivia takes this T-shirt and washes it, just so you all know, and uh, she starts wearing it. And she starts just rocking this Beatles T-shirt. And I just told you that because I read this week about how John Lennon, in 1966, he said, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus. And I asked Olivia, hey, Liv, do you know who's on your shirt? And she goes, oh, it says on the back, the Beatles. I was like, do you know who that is? She goes, I have no clue. <laughs> and here's my point. There's, we just sang, you have no rivals. Listen, a generation ago, there might be the, hey, we a big deal. But you know what? My little teenage daughter, she don't have a clue who they is. She don't know. But you know who she does know? She knows who Jesus is, the worthy lamb. Today, all across the United States, there are people declaring the grandeur and the excellency and the worthiness of God and the holiness and the, uh, uh, who our God is. And all across the world, and her generation is declaring, holy, holy, holy is our God. And I just want to encourage you, though there be so many rivals, though there be so many people that try to prop up themselves or prop up something else, 
They are ashes compared to when you look at what is the song of eternity. He is holy. He is God. He is holy, holy, holy. Worthy, grandeur, excellent. And our call is to see the holy God and go, you're infinitely unique. And then say, so God set me apart. I want to live a holy life. And when you think of holiness, I want to invite you to think about living a life where it's set apart for him. Sometimes we start to think about our external behavior. I want you to think about a relational consecration. I'm yours, God. Going to have some good days and some bad days, but I belong to you. I'm totally yours. Uh, with, in my family, just like your house, uh, uh, we have different brushes. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, we have different brushes. And so we have paint brushes at our house. We have hair brushes in our house. Um, and if we were to take a, a, a paintbrush, uh, anybody in the house could use any paintbrush. Like, uh, I would let you use our paintbrushes, actually, if you asked to borrow them. Um, like, any, it's, it's just, it's fine. It's, it's, you, can, you can use it. They can use it. Hairbrush is a little bit different. Um, if you borrow the hairbrush, there's this kind of sense of like, okay, you can use it once, but give it back. And I don't really want to share a hairbrush forever. Um, and sometimes in our family, I'm not sure what it's like in yours. There are some things that uh, we tend to buy a lot of because we lose them. Socks are a big one. That's a future analogy illustration, not coming today. But um, hairbrushes, I don't know why, but combs and hairbrushes, I feel like we lose them a lot. Um, but I'll let people borrow my hairbrush. Um, probably wouldn't let you use a hairbrush, but my family, I'd tolerate that. Um, I also have a toothbrush, and uh, ain't nobody touching that. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I'm not letting anybody, not even in my family, yeah, but what about your five-year-old? It's okay. No, we're, there's, some, there's something that I'm just not going to let you use, and that's my toothbrush. Even if you're five, that's, that he's kind of cute for mom. It's just too gross. Toothbrush belongs to me. It is set apart unto me, holy mine. It is not for anybody else's use. And the idea of holiness is that you are set apart to God. Hashtag toothbrush for Jesus. That's who I am. I'm set apart. So, so sometimes we want to build even an intellectual argument as to why I can never morally do enough so that I can justify lethargy. But the idea is not my external behavior. The idea is my relationship with Jesus, that I belong to him. And even if I have dark days, I'm coming back to him because I am set. I am consecrated. I'm holy. His. I belong to him. And even if somebody, I'll stop with the analogy. I got toothbrush jokes, but I'm going to stop. And I want to invite you just to think that way. That's what it means. So I behold the Holy God. And so what happens is when you behold the Holy God, there, there starts to be a, an interior transformation that says, I want, I want to be holy like he is holy. I want to be set my life apart for him. Because our culture says, make yourself a big deal. Make much of self. Christianity is, I want to make much of God. I want to make much of him. And the way that you'll get to where you want to make much of him is when you have beheld more of him. And that's my prayer for us in 21 days of prayer and fasting, is that you behold him, you get close to him. God would not be a back burner conversation, of course, but boy, God, God is the 
And, and what's fun to see, I was thinking about that whole Beatles thing and that whole song. And I know I'm picking on the Beatles. If you love the Beatles, I'm so sorry. I don't have an issue with the Beatles. Uh, I just like the phrase. I just like that John Lennon cocky phrase because I just, I just like the fact that my daughter has no idea who he is. I just love it. It's innocent. It's cute. But I want you to just catch. Can you imagine when we stand before God, all the little things that we tend to think I'm a big deal or what I think is big in my culture, but compared to creator God, who Job 26 says he breathes and the whisper of God creates. I mean, we, we, we look at the God of the universe who exists, eternity past, eternity future. And actually, this third idea is holy God is eternally sung about in heaven. There's an eternal song about this holy God. So when we read Isaiah 6 right here and we read holy, 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 this is the same idea that John sees when he hears in Revelation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So sometimes the worship band has spontaneously up here started singing, we lift up the ancient song, we lift up the ancient cry, and you're all thinking, what are they talking about? That's what they're talking about. They're talking about this song in heaven that declares holy is God. Holy, holy, holy. And whether Isaiah sees it, John sees it, thousands of years later, it's he is awesome. He is infinitely unique. He is holy. And the interesting thing about these seraphims that are describing God as holy is that it's just the holiness and the worth and the glory of God that causes them to sing about who he is. In fact, in my journey, in recent years, I've had so many blessings from God, so many things that God has done for me. Like in addition to becoming a follower of Jesus when I was young and Jesus saving me and put my feet on a rock and the fact that I get eternal life with Jesus, even in addition to that, I mean, just not too long ago, having this dream that God would start a new church in Kansas City and I've seen God do amazing things. There's things that I'm believing for my children that I'm, I'm seeing God do. And when it's just me and God, I'm just kind of like doing backflips because I'm just like, you're so good, good, oh yeah, right? Because I'm seeing God do it. There's this great story that has taken place in my life where I'm seeing God just touch the physical body of my dad to where my dad is doing so well. And I've got all these beautiful things that I'm grateful for where God's done good things for me. And yet, this heavenly scene, this seraphim, they just cry, holy, holy, holy. Not because of a saved soul or a miraculous healing, but just the holiness of who God is. So as you and I behold who God is, as we see more of who God is, then we start to say, I'm gonna change how I live. Kind of like Isaiah did. He says, all right, I'm gonna go live on mission. Here I am, God, send me. You got a plan, you you got a vision for me. And I wanna invite you to just think, as you get with God and behold God, and start to care more and more about the things of God. It just starts to push out all these other things that we tend to make a big deal. But the holiness of God could be the big deal that you go, I'm yours. I belong to you. I want you. 
So I want to give you three practical ideas real quick on how to live this during these 21 days of prayer. The first one is I want to invite you to ask God for more encounters with him. Straight up. Like when you come before God, maybe you're the kind of person that you pray as you drive. Maybe you're the kind of person that has a journal where you pray. But if you would just come before God and just say, God, open up my eyes. I want to behold more. I want to see more. Let me see what Isaiah saw. Let me see what John saw. You can go back and find, go back to that Moses series on YouTube and go, I want to behold what Moses beheld. I want to see more of you. Open up my heart, open up my eyes. If this is a song that's going on for all of eternity future that declares, holy, holy, holy is God. I'm, I'm a little bit bored with the radio. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Sorry. I'm just saying I'm a little bit bored with these things that are, these, they're, they're here today and everybody calls them great and but compared to who you are, they've got such a short shelf life. I want to I I see more of what you're like. You could, you could, this year, you could open up the scriptures, be a part of one year Bible and just say, God, show me in the scriptures what you're like. If you have increased encounters with God, your response will be like Isaiah's, woe is me. It will be like Peter's. It will be like John's, felt like a dead man. Where if you choose to fill up your life with less encounters, and I'm not saying, what I'm saying is you put your heart in the position to receive and say, okay, God, I want to encounter you. You'll watch over time the transformation of your heart where you start to talk on God less and talk of self less. God starts to be on your lips. I want to talk about God. I care about God. The things that are on God's heart become big. And so I want to invite you to ask God, God, open up. That's what we sing when we sing, um, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Some of you know that. Some of you just are picturing like eyes on a heart and you don't even know. Or it's like, what? I don't, it's like, what? No, it's actually talking about, it's, it's actually saying, I want, to, I want to know, behold, see with my heart, my affections, revelation. Open up to where I see more. So number one, I invite you to this word, ask. Just ask. Just, oh, and you could just make the easiest prayer. Open my eyes. Let me see. You could just say revelation. You could, just, you could have a one word prayer. Revelation. You could just make, you can make the prayer, even the attribute that we're studying each week. You could just week this say, holy my prayer each week is that we would go, big series, good God. This week, holy God. The next week, we're going to hit attributes of who he is. This week, you could just make it your prayer, holy God. You could just, that, could be, that could be the request for revelation. Holy God, let me see. Second thing I want to invite you to is to actually sing. Oh, no. I just offended a whole lot of people. But just actually use your voice and just sing. Just think about this idea of here you've got these seraphim crying, holy, holy, holy. You've got, in Revelation, that same idea being sung. And I was, I was thinking about even in Revelation 19, where one day there's this great multitude that declares, oh, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And I was just thinking about that declaration, the Lord God omnipotent reigns, meaning our declaration 
will not be, <laughs> hey, I got questions. It's going to be, ha, <laughs> you are holy. You are incredible. Ha, <laughs> hallelujah. The Lord God, good God almighty, you are amazing. Sometimes when we sing and we join what's already being sung in heaven, it aligns our, our emotions with our convictions. Our temptation is to make much of me and not make much of God so that when we gather with the saints, whether we're online or in this room or with our families around a computer, to just be moving on. So the worship team comes up and leads us in song and the temptation is to think about something else. I want to invite you to actually sing as a conviction, not just if you emotionally feel like it. So that you will, so, so you can even think of it like, all right, if across the whole earth, the church of Jesus Christ is declaring the grandeur of God, if in heaven, seraphim are declaring the holiness, the grandeur, the excellency, the infinite uniqueness of God, I, even if I've got a lot going on, I've got bills to pay, I've got games to watch, I've got garages to clean, my brain, my affections, my thoughts are headed towards one place. Holy, holy, holy is the God of the universe. And I want to invite you just to sing. Just jump on in. Like I was thinking about that phrase, holy, holy, holy. I remember in the 80s, as a kid, my Latin and Bible teacher, big old dude, wore Wranglers, big beard, and he used to sing, holy, holy, holy. And he'd look at us, kids in a desk that only ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because we had no cafeteria, and he'd say, sing, kids, and we'd all sing, holy, holy, holy. And when I picture singing holy, holy, holy in the 80s, that's what I picture. When I picture singing holy, holy, holy in the 90s, I picture Promise Keepers. Any Promise Keepers in the house? I mean, I went to Promise Keepers. We sang Michael W. Smith. Like this dude, he had, he had no hair on top. He had white hair on the sides, and he had a ponytail that went all the way down. And it was, it was, it was not hair up here. It was hair here that went all the way down. And he had this big guitar, and he had a T-shirt at Promise Keepers where he sang real men sing real loud. And that caught my attention. And then he sang like at the top of his lungs. Holy are you Lord God. And it was like electric guitar. Oh my. And we sang about the holiness of God. That's the 90s. Katie, today, she was singing, Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. I don't care what decade for centuries and millennium to come, we're gonna sing holy, 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 holy. How great is our God? Worthy is our God. And when you say, I'll sing if I feel like it, you're saying, I'm center stage. My emotions, my feelings. I'm going to compartmentalize God so that he is a means to my end, so that my ultimate goal is my own happiness and my own feeling. But if you say, I have this conviction, I have read about, and I believe to be true, you are holy. And no matter what my week looks like, no matter how many tasks I have to do on my iPhone or bills I have to pay, no matter what hobbies, no matter what the weather is, I have decided that you are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of me crying out along with those centuries past in the church, 
currently in heaven and forevermore in heaven. And I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to sing. So I picture at your house, you got you and your wife and your kids and just sing. Yeah, but I have a bad voice. Sing anyway. It ain't about your voice. I'm telling you, it's really in the last couple hundred years that we've been like, hey, let's just get the good singers on stage, right? I'm just telling you, this is not about the band up here. This is about your voice going up. This is about all of us declaring, holy, holy, holy. It's your privilege to just come before God. And I don't care if we put Katie Reed up here who can sing real well, or if I come up here in skinny jeans and I'm the bald guy one day with the long white hair going, ah. it's not about what's happening up here. It's about us declaring you're worthy, you're holy, you're awesome. And so declare it. Just, just sing to God. And then the last one, I'll just encourage us with this. I want to invite you just in these 21 days, invite the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Dwell in me. It takes supernatural power to live a supernatural life. To live as if Man, I'm beholding God. I'm caring about the things of heaven more than the things of earth. It's just a hype session if it's my strength. But if it's a supernatural work of God inside of you, it's your joy, it's your life, it's your testimony, it's your resume. And I want to invite you to just come before God and ask for his help. Ephesians 5, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Take that verse, make it a mantra. Holy Spirit, Holy God, come and live in me. I need help. I need God. I'm, I mean, Paul, when you read Paul, I mean, even to make that comparison, it's almost funny. He's going, don't, don't do this. Do this. If you have this moment where you just say, I want each day, I need, I'm desperate with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, you ask God and then you sing and declare who he is. And have the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You'll live a supernatural life. These 21 days of prayer can set 2021 into being the best year of your life. You walk closely with Jesus and the circumstance doesn't dictate your year. You go through the dark night of the soul. There's a verse on that. Oh, you're with me your rod and your staff to comfort me. You go through great days. <laughs> all else is ashes compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for who's like I'm lost. All things. So you don't have to live 2021. And if it goes well with circumstance, you're going to have a good year. And it goes bad in circumstance, you're going to have a bad year. No, no, no. These 21 days, I'm getting close. I'm feasting on God. And no matter what comes, good days or bad, success or failure, you can have a year that you look back and you go, what matters in eternity, I grew in that. That's my dream for us. That's my dream for you. Would you just bow your heads and let's just take a moment and pray together. Would you just pray that first thing I said? Would you say, holy God, open my eyes to see you. And then just give him these next 21 days. I give you these next 21 days. Open my eyes to see you.
And then we just say, Holy Spirit, come fill me. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Push out the other things. I belong to you. I'm consecrated. I'm holy to the Lord. I'm set apart unto you. If you're here today and you want to begin a journey as a follower of Jesus, it is the most important decision that you could ever make. And I'd love to invite you to go on that journey. And the holy God sent his son, Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus lived a holy life. And because of the holy God sending his son, Jesus, he could, Jesus, who lived perfectly, died on a cross, took on the sin of humanity and opened the gateway, the door for you to be close to God now, to have a relationship with God now, throughout all of eternity. And it begins with you saying yes. And I want to invite you to pray a prayer. This isn't the only prayer that you'll pray to God. This is a first prayer to begin a journey with Jesus. If you want to do that today, I want to invite you to say, God, I give you my life. Change me. Heal me. Save me. I don't want to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I won't go my way and be the Lord of my own life, make my own decisions. You be Lord of all. Take it. I give you everything. I want eternity with you. I'm yours. And if you prayed that prayer, it's beginning your journey with Jesus. It's the most important prayer of your life. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for every person that's just decided to follow Jesus or that's been following Jesus for decades, I pray that you would mark them. We pray, Holy Spirit, give us supernatural strength to walk with you, do a fresh work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name. And Radiant Church said amen.